Thanks for joining us here at Belgium Community Church. Our current series is called 167. It's a look at the book of James and what faith looks like beyond Sunday. Good morning, everyone. So we've been looking at James, the book of James, uh, chapter by chapter, and it's the theme here has been, what do you do with those other 167 hours each week? And it's an important theme for us because we all acknowledge that, that God is the Lord of our existence. He's the Lord of our lives. But we, it all, we struggle in different ways, and that, that pans out for us. And a lot of us are comparing ourselves to others. We have this issue that we, we really want to be somebody and we really want to accomplish something great. Or at least we want to be liked. Uh, we want to have friends. And we're asking ourselves, am I enough? Have I accomplished enough? And I want to tell you this morning that our, the, our problems are not our problems. Our problems are very often related to heart attitudes. Or to put it another way, um, they're outside of us. The things that are outside of us can't affect us if our heart is right before God. So the key is going to be humility. We don't even know the correct course of action when something happens. To try as we might, success and even respect can become idols for us. Uh, in James chapter 4, there, the, there are Bibles in the rows and things like that. If you would, would like to turn to there, we'll... We'll refer to this passage often, and we'll refer to other parts of God's Word as well. But uh, starting right away from verse 1, what James is writing to uh, some friends of his, and he's saying, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires to battle within you? And we can all see ourselves in that way. And I thought for a while the, the key word in that passage is fight. So it's easy to find. I was looking for videos of professional wrestlers or something from a Rocky movie or something like that. And we'll depict this fight, this fight that's going on inside us all the time, this fight against. But actually the verse says it's, it's fights and quarrels among you. But these are God's people he's writing to, God's people who know better, who have a wonderful regenerate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're all full of peace and joy and love now and they're fighting and quarreling among each other. How come? Why would even God's people, we get why the world fights, okay? The world is scrapping and trying to get ahead of each other and stomping on each other and things like that. But God's people, no, we have a, we have a peace and we have a calmness because we have this relationship with God and still we're fighting amongst each other. How come? Well, he goes on to say, you, you know, you, you do it because you don't ask God. You, you want something, but you don't get it, verse 2. You kill and you covet, but you can't have what you want. You quarrel and you fight. You don't have because you don't ask God. So asking God doesn't usually come through an email or something like that. We're taught how to ask God. We pray. Your moms, your Sunday school teachers, people who have who have brought us up in the faith, have taught us how to pray, okay? Close your eyes. Hold your hands. Bow your head. Close your mouth, right? Hold your hands. Close your mouth. Close your eyes. And we're going to pray to God. And I, I notice that each of these four postures 
relate to something about our relationship with God and, and who is ultimately the Lord of our life and the Lord of our existence. So if we just take each one um, separately, close your eyes, okay? Everybody just, when you're praying, close your eyes. Stop competing with each other, okay? Stop envying what somebody else has. All these material things, as we drive around neighborhoods and things, boy, I wish I had that. Boy, I wish I was as successful as that. You know, I mentioned the sports world. There's a lot of unhealthy competition that can happen. Sports can be a very good thing. It's taking care of our bodies. It's healthy and, and concentrating on something and, and achieving a goal and all these wonderful things. There's also stepping on the other guy to try to get ahead, try to get noticed by the coach, try to get noticed by the people in the stands try to get reporters to say great things about you, try to score more points than somebody else so we can be great, right? Just close your eyes, you know? So even this, this term respect, and this is something that we are taught to pursue. Uh, pursue respect, make sure your resume starts looking good and do a good job and the people around you will think you're uh, good enough. So that respect, that can be an idol, I think, in our life. And just for the time when your eyes are closed, while you're praying, the world and its attractiveness can be blocked out just for a sec. And moms, I think, do it so that their kids aren't looking at their brother or sister <laughs> and starting all these little arguments and fights. Um, when you ask, you don't receive because you want you ask with the wrong motives. You want to spend what you get on your pleasures. Verse 4, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. In verse 4, that word adulterous, okay, don't skip past that. I think even the world knows how heinous and terrible adultery is. When, a, when somebody finds out their partner is cheating on them, they get furious. So does God, right? We are his people, we, we're... We're the bride of Christ. We're, we're united forever with him, and yet our heart affections are going on to other things that, that can't really satisfy, and they aren't coming from God. So don't skip past, past that word. It's a very big deal to God. God created marriage. God created all these metaphors about being related to him and united with Christ. The second part is close your mouth, okay? Stop gossiping so much. Stop bullying each other with, with words. Uh, try, stop making fun of each other. Just close your mouth for a sec. And don't sit there picking on what your sister's doing <laughs> and point out what your brother's doing. So around the table, it can just be, at least for those moments while we're praying, it just be silent. And just whoever's, whoever's speaking can offer thanks to God instead of all the envy and all the stuff Verse 5 says, Do you think Scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live within us envies intensely? Right? That word envy can be a negative word, can We shouldn't envy. We shouldn't. But the spirit that God put within us is envying. So compared to the, um, uh, just looking at that context, that's a very good thing. That spirit longs for us so much and that relationship so much that he gets irritated and angry when our heart affections are going on other things. He's, he's calling out to us all the time. And that brings us back. 
And we realize again that our, that our problems aren't our problems. Humility is going to be the answer to that. Another posture is fold your hands, right? Men love to build kingdoms for themselves. I, I was going to bring in some tools today, some props, but you can all visualize them. Hammers, uh, screwdrivers, saws, levels, the, the things that men use to build things. And some men build really, really impressive things. They built a really impressive thing in the, to in the Tower of Babel, didn't they? An incredible tower. We're going to reach all the way up to the heavens. We're going to reach all the way up to God. Men can do great things when they get together. God said, no. <laughs> you don't build kingdoms for yourselves. You trust me and me alone. And he came down and he confused the language and he, and he messed up that, that um, motive. So great cities have been built. Great um, great machines. Men have, men have done I mean, Men's hands separate us from every other animal in, in the kingdom. Okay? Some animals have hooves. Some animals have wings. Very few animals have hands that look anything like ours. And someone might say, what about monkeys? Yeah, monkeys have articulate fingers and things like that, and they can grasp objects, and they're very, very strong. But they don't have the kind of dexterity that the human hand does. The human hand could be used for great, wonderful, amazing things. It can operate a remote control, the phones, <laughs> right? Play music skillfully. There's, there's a lot of things that hands can do. Hands are a big deal in Scripture. So folding our, uh, the Bible has a lot to say about hands and what they're used for. Isaiah 66.2 encourages us to, uh, the Lord says, has not my hand made all these things? And they all came into being, declares the Lord. It's interesting as we think about salvation and the cross and uh, the penalty that was paid for our sins. Man took something that God created that was beautiful, a tree, cut it down, made boards out of it, took his very own son and nailed him to it. <laughs> and God allowed this. And God knew about this ahead of time. So there's something about human hands that, we, that try as we might, we can never usurp uh, what, what God has intended, and we shouldn't. Psalm 134.2 says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. Okay? You've seen people lifting their hands up in worship like that. And, and some people are really interested in that style. And some people think that's, I have a hard time relating to that. I don't, I don't express myself in that way. But there's something about lifted hands that's just a freedom. And it's just a, I don't really care what happens to me in this moment. I'm completely alone uh, before God. And it's really kind of neat when a police officer pulls you over <laughs> and he sees you as any kind of threat. He wants you to lift your hands. I want to see your hands. I want to make sure that you're not up to something. I don't know what you're, what you're about to do. So I want to see your hands. Okay? So does God. Uh, Philippians 4.13 says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Once again, the operator of our hands and of our intent should be the Lord. And in Daniel chapter 5, King Belshazzar was having a party and really just enjoying his greatness and who he was. He said, get those goblets, get, those, get, get all those things, and we'll have, we'll have drinks out of them, and, and we'll just toast to my greatness. And the fingers of a human hand came and started writing on the wall because God had a very stern message for King Belshazzar. You don't act that way. 
and that very night, King Belshazzar was no more. His life was taken from him. Well, more specifically, clean hands are mentioned in Scripture. Uh, in verse 8 of James chapter 4, it says, Come near to God, and he'll come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, because you're double-minded. So clean hands are a big deal. Not just hands and what they're used for, but clean them up. A few weeks ago, Pastor Joe mentioned uh, Joseph Lister, who discovered um, washing techniques and, and antiseptic uh, in their fight against bacteria. There's another man from Hungary named um, Ignis Semmelweis, and I'll probably pronounce that completely incorrectly. <laughs> But he discovered uh, how effective hand washing is in the parental units and things like that. It was preventing something called. Um, take my notes from here. Who took my notes? In clinics, it was killing mothers after childbirth, okay? Because the clinicians didn't know enough to wash and cleanse their hands when they were handling handling things, and there was a uh, there were germs and things that were getting spread around. Another posture is bow your head, okay? Just bow. My daughter took Taekwondo, and it was interesting to watch them. They would bow before they left the platform. They would bow to their opponent. They would bow to their instructor. They would bow you know, to lots of things. But it was a, a quick little bow. You've seen these, especially in Oriental cultures. You know, they're, they're making an effort to show reverence. Just a quick little bow like that. I don't think that's the kind of bow he's, he's referring to. He says, bow your head. Nor is it the kind of bowing that you do in a in a royal court, when someone's be, um, getting bestowed knighthood, they, they might go to one knee, and they might look very reverent, and things like that, and they're, they're receiving an award. Uh, it's not the same as bowing. I think when we see the God of the universe come through the clouds with a trumpet and with great glory and power, we're going to be on our face. There's a bowing that's going to happen in God's courtroom that's a position of our heart, and there'll be no question. <clears throat> Philippians 3, uh, verses 18 through 19 said, For as often as I told you before, and say again even with tears, many people live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their, their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. Their mind's on earthly things. Proverbs 3, 34 says, God's curse is on the house of the wicked. But he blesses those, the home of the righteous. He mocks proud markers, but he gives grace to the humble. So that word humble is a very big deal to God. Verse 10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he'll lift you up. Remember a song by Ray Bolts in 1995 called, I Pledge Allegiance to the Lamb. It was talking about mar martyrism and things. Uh, and it was pretty graphic how the man in the video uh, shared with his son what had happened, the progression of how society had turned away from God, and then it became incorrect to even speak the name of Jesus. And then the government stepped in and finally decided these Christians needed to go. And anybody that was going to make a stand for Jesus was going to be executed. That wasn't just a story. That wasn't just a video. That really does happen. Uh, there's a book that a documentary that was written in 2007 called A Cry from Iran. It's about Christian martyrism. 
So I don't want to get too graphic and too deep, but it's a very big deal to God that we don't swear allegiance to anything else but our relationship with him. I love America. I'm really glad that we're here. But we were taught to say certain words and certain. there's a certain reverence for the flag, and I think some of us do tear up when we realize the price that's been paid for the freedoms that we have. That's great, but let's not abuse it. But let's always remember who is in control of this thing. He's not, uh, he's greater than our country. And if our country starts going in directions that are contrary to what God has willed, and if we start making decrees and laws about relationships and things like that, and, and seeing that you can do whatever you want because we're so gloriously free, we've missed it. We've missed the reason for the freedom in the first place. We need to always remember where our hearts where our hearts need to be. So I think the, the key of this entire chapter is verse 7. Okay, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And the key words in that are, are not, hey, we can make the devil flee from us. That's really cool. You know, um, There are Christian circles where if you have a bad day, you feel a little depressed, people will look down on you, almost make fun of you uh, for being weak things like that, and the strength is celebrated. We have the authority, right? We have the authority over the devil. We only have that because God put it there, and it's for a specific reason, so we can worship God more effectively. It's not so we can act all macho and that we're better than the guy next to us. But this whole relationship with the devil, too, I've seen some very flippant attitudes against about the dark side of things. Movies are made, cartoons will picture him either as a goof or as some uh, movie might picture him as somebody you could defeat if you really get your stuff together and, and say certain incantations or, or manipulate things in such a way you can defeat the devil. Um, careful with that. There was a book called The Bondage Breaker by Dr. Neil Anderson, and he, he, he recognized that there are people that are in actual spiritual bondage uh, by demonic forces and things like that. And there were some, some prayers and some reminders of how to get your life back right. And um, I remember our pastor at the time, he said, careful with this information. It's really good stuff, and we don't want people to be locked into bondage, but we don't get together with all our friends and have a cast-out-the-demons party and you know, act all flippant about this stuff. This is very serious, um, very serious information. So it's not because we're big and bad. It's because God has the authority. So the, the last part of the chapter there, 13 through uh, 17, talks about people that are boasting about their plans for tomorrow and things like that. And that's, that's another attitude I think we really ought to watch out for. When we are humble, when we're completely uh, locked into what God's, God's plan is for our lives, we don't spend a whole lot of time boasting and bragging about what we've accomplished and trying to get other people to notice us. There's a very uh, simple relationship, and that's what humility is. You know, and that's what we really recommend. So I'll just, I'll just close this in prayer if you'll indulge me a minute. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word. I thank you for your indwelling spirit. And may we each learn a thing or two about these attitudes, about the way we ought to uh, respond to you, 
and certainly about the way we ought to respond to other other believers. If we're all part of a family, if we're all part of a body, we ought to be loving and caring for each other. But there is boasting, and there is arguments, and there are fights and quarrels and things that come up. So I thank you for your word and those oh, gentle reminders drawing us back into a relationship with you that's going to matter for all eternity. I thank you for saving us by your grace and for uh, reaching into our existence here. In Jesus' name, we always pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our series called 167. Please connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and BelgiumChurch.com.